Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, joined, as always, by Blazer's outsider, Danny Morang. Danny? Hello, hello. It's quite beautiful outside. It's a little weird to be podcasting during the day. but I know. We usually are doing this at night. The other thing is, is my neighbors are all mowing their lawns right now. Yeah, I mean, that's typically what people do on Sunday afternoons, right? That's that's kind of the the standard. Well, they uh, usually don't do it Sunday night. (laughs) I mean... that's kind of like if you're talking like, like uh, the easiest way to spot a serial killer, mowing your lawn at night would have to be pretty high on that list, right? <laughs> we had this discussion at work. Like we uh, uh, seriously, the NBC studios, but like probably three weeks to go in the season, somehow it like throughout the day, everybody was asking, what would be your serial killer trait? Wow. That is not yeah. how I expected. But before we answer that question, we better bring in our guest. <laughs> <laughs> I am so happy today that we have as our guest Keith Parrish. He is the host of Grits and Grinds Memphis Grizzly podcast and host of one of my favorite Fast Break Breakfast and NBA podcast. Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you for introducing me. I, I didn't know if I was even allowed to chime in earlier oh, yeah, when no, you guys no. go, were bantering. Go. I was like, I haven't been introduced yet, so I'm not here by the rules of podcast, so I didn't know if I could say anything, but yes, thank you. Glad to be here. If I had headlights on my lawnmower, I would, however, as a flex, mow my grass. At night. <laughs> I think if you have headlights on the lawnmower, that removes the serial killer trait license. Cause then you're just, you know, does it really? I don't or? know. I mean, if you drove that thing like through your neighborhood with the headlights on, then you're back to the top of the list of serial. Sure, killer traits. Certainly the second you leave the yard and go on the street. Yeah. Maybe with a couple of weed eaters in each show, maybe a, a leaf blower and a weed eater. That's, uh, yeah. that's, that's the, you're, you're going from serial killer to straight purge. Or like attack. an evil dead half arm with leaf blower attached to there the, to the arm stump. Now we're, now we're talking. Can I say arm stump on your podcast? I don't Absolutely. Know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but we don't do we don't do the other uh, swear words. Oh, good. Uh, Shout but, out we'll, we'll let that one go. Um, uh, I just watched Point Break the other day, and the, the old one, right? The, well, yeah. I mean, the one of the most perfect movies ever made is also we do not what it's recognize known as. the new. One. Uh, I would like a fun fact. The new one is 70, something like 72 minutes long, which is your oh. basic like Bluth brand off Disney cartoon length. Mm-hmm. But it has 16 minutes of credits inexplicably to stretch <laughs> it out to a firm like 88 minutes. You're so, kidding. Little, little fun fact. So well, honestly, know that? Not, well, I watched it. I have no regrets. It and was time for the credits. No, I watched it in, in like you know, you had the little progress bar on the bottom of the screen on whatever it was. Like it was on HBO now and the movie was over and we weren't close to the end of the progress bar. And I was like, is there a weird like Marvel after credit scene? No, no, there was nothing. <laughs> there was like 15, 16 minutes of credits. Slow. Was, was it, it just like over the black background yeah, or was there black like background uh, moving just, incredibly slow, just terrible. Um, I don't know. What's the right word. X games music was going and it was just a very long, someone can fact check me, but this is my memory. And I'm, I'm believing, choosing to believe my memory right now. That and that a better was, story was the case. Wow. Well, I've never watched that version because I thought I felt that point break was one of the most perfect movies ever made. And I didn't want to, you know, I usually I'm super open to remakes of movies. I don't like fundamentally have a problem with remakes. It's just like when you have a movie that stars Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze, like how can you move on to see another version? I'm just not ready yet. Maybe I will be later. Did you but see knowing that you watched in, it in, in Lori Petty? Part of me is did you see a little bit of yourself in Lori Petty? Um, that's an interesting question. <laughs> I don't, I don't strongly identify with, uh, her or tank girl. Um, <laughs> I feel like, um, I feel like, you know, I, 
you know, I don't want to like, you know, give away too much of like my, like, you know, off air personality, but, um, <laughs> I feel like I'm more like Gary Busey really. Oh, <laughs> 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 I really liked him. And every time we watch the movie, my husband just goes crazy every time flea comes on. So it's, it's, it's just, a, it's just a celebration every time that movie comes on our house, but we're going to, we're going to move on. I would be happy to go and do a point break episode with either of you guys. Anytime I can talk about that movie a lot, but we should probably move on now. Keith, today we are going to pay homage, uh, in a lot of ways, or actually just destroy any reference to your <laughs> wonderful podcast, the fast break breakfast. I thought we should, uh, we could do that by calling this the trailblaze trail mix or Trailblaze okay. Trail Mix Up podcast. Okay. And uh, and so instead of breakfast, we're going to talk about snacks. And the way you usually start off your podcast is by asking folks what they had for breakfast. So mm-hmm. I'm going to start off and ask you guys if you've had any snacks today or are you planning on having any snacks? Ooh. Mm. Uh, I haven't. He's lit up there. Well, I haven't had snacks today. I'm trying to think of what I actually snack. I guess with like the with the lockdown and like you know the staying at home, we've stocked up on mainly provisions. So I feel like the snacking is is a lot lower. The one thing that fast break breakfast listeners will know that I guess is a snack is I have an incredible sweet tooth, uh, almost a debilitating sweet tooth, oh. and I have so many packs of jelly beans and these sour sweet tart gummies that are all left over from Easter candy. We did hoard those. We cleaned out our grocery store, took them all. And I've actually not had any in about 36 hours. And that's like an achievement. I'm going to try not to eat any more candy today, but most of last week was just snacking on jelly beans and or sour candy. Those are excellent snacks. I love jelly beans. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a sweets guy, but definitely jelly beans and Swedish fish. Those are yeah. I, I am pro Swedish fish. Um, but like you said, like with the the quarantine, not a ton of snacking. Like before we started the pot, I literally just finished a delicious buffalo burger on a brioche bun, and it was quite exquisite. And that was it's probably as close as I'll get to snacking probably today. But honestly, the biggest drawback right now is getting back and forth to the store. Not a sweet tooth guy. I am a salty guy and not having a constant supply of either, uh, pita chips and hummus or tortilla chips and salsa are like the two things. I'm just like, Gah. I say, I can't, I don't, can you ration salsa? Cause I cannot like when, oh, no. when I, when I you pop the, the salsa, you, you just eat it. And it's yeah. like, well, I can't, we're trying to go to the grocery store like once a week maximum. Mm-hmm. And it's saying like, if we're going to go 10 days from now, what's the point of buying a salsa? Like we bought one salsa. Actually, I think we still have it, but it's just sitting there. It's like, when do we eat this? I don't know. Never feels like the right time, but oh, it's always the right time. Let's be honest. <laughs> but like after we're done here tonight, we're all going to probably watch the last dance. Yeah. If I have, if I have a salsa, I will eat the whole damn thing. And there's a little local right. brand that comes from that you can get at the store down here. And it's, you know, your normal, what is it, like probably eight-ounce thing, ten-ounce thing. And you're kidding me? I will crush that every sure. single time. And that's the problem. You you can't, like you said, you can't ration the salsa. That's also no- me with jelly beans. I can't, That's one of my big issues. If there's a pound bag of jelly beans, I will eat the entire bag of jelly beans. I can't stop. So that's why it's very important not to open the bag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very, so you got to stay away from those plastic tubs with the screw-on lids, huh? Very, yeah, well, very particular. Yeah, like, as long as I, as long as like the bag is closed, I, I have some self-control not to tear the plastic and open it. But once I open it, it's over, and I can't not eat them. So. I definitely feel like I'm with people who get me because I feel all of those things. Once it's open, like eat it till it's gone. Cause otherwise yeah. it's going to sit there and it's just going to be crumbs in the bottom anyway. Yeah. I am a, I'm wrestling with one of those screw top, big plastic tubs from Costco of mixed nuts. My husband went to Costco, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, a week ago or whatever. So we're working our way through that. I had some of that today, you know, very, deftly avoiding all the Brazil nuts because who eats those? Although apparently my husband does. Cause every time I go back in they're like, I always think I'm just going to reach in. It's going to be all Brazil nuts. Cause I've been eating everything else, but apparently he likes the Brazil nuts. So somebody has to, you'd think after 30 mar- years of marriage, I would know that about him. But <laughs> anyway, that's what I had for my snack. Well, yeah. the next thing we're going to, 
Actually, before we move on to the next segment, and that's what we're doing today that's different. Dan and I don't usually have like defined segments, but I'm so inspired by fast break breakfasts. Oh, we do? You you try to. I I just told you. Oh, I gave that up a long time. Single one of them. Just Fox 2 every single time. (laughs) I know. I'm crossing my fingers that we're going to get through at least two of the ones that I've got planned for today, but I fully have a plan for just in case you derail me. But before we get into that, Keith, could you tell us just a little bit about, uh, for people who don't know, about Fast Break Breakfast? And I'm also super curious about how you got started. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. So Fast Break Breakfast is a podcast. We like to say it's a it's a podcast for serious NBA fans that's incredibly not serious. And the premise is we wanted to just be guys, you know, talking about basketball the way we would at a bar. We felt like the content, like were we mixing in jokes and we're not trying to go like extreme, like we're not analyzing the the cap sheet or like we do some of that, but mainly we're just talking about basketball free flowing and, and having a good time doing it. And my two co-hosts, Chuck and John, I knew John from just the Nashville music scene. Uh, and someone, at some point people were like, Hey, do you know this guy, John? He is also obsessed with the NBA and the same thing happened to John. We're like, Hey, you should know Keith. And so John and I were like acquaintances and we were, we became like text pen pals where we would just text about the NBA, even though we weren't like active friends or we didn't hang out much together. And so we'd been texting for a while and we started fast break breakfast. Actually, when I had my first kid, uh, five and a half years ago, I was like, Hey, I'm not probably going to be taking freelance music jobs anymore. I'm going to be at home. Let's do that podcast. We were, we were talking about, and John had just met a guy named Chuck who was a stand-up comedian and a food truck, uh, purveyor. And he was like, I know this guy, Chuck, let's see if it works. And we, we, we met up at a bar and we talked it out and we just came up with the name fast break breakfast. And we thought that's, that's fun. Let's do it. So that's how we did it. And now we've just been uh, blazing along. This is our sixth season of doing the show and we just have a lot of fun. So if you're like a serious hardcore NBA fan who doesn't take themselves seriously, we think we might be the right uh, show for you. And I think uh, we should say that you are in Nashville, in Tennessee, a a Grizzlies fan. So you also have the uh, grits and grinds. But today you honor us by wearing a Portland Trailblazer jersey. I am. I'm wearing it. This is, I think, the first time I've worn it. This is a Mason Plumley jersey that one of our Fast Break Breakfast listeners, uh, Matt Sullivan, who is a Blazers fan, he, uh, he, he bought this shirt. I think he... I think in our listener slack, he was said something like, does anyone want a $12 Mason Plumlee sh- Jersey? Cause they were, you know, I guess Plumlee had been traded. I'm assuming I don't remember the details or if he was just gone the year after, but he's like, they're selling Mason Plumlee jerseys for $12. And I was like, sure. I mean, I'll take basically any NBA Jersey for $12. So he, uh, he mailed it to me uh, and I'm, I'm wearing it and I like it. It's a pretty good fit. Actually. I like this. The, the Adidas swingman collection, a black, Trailblazers number 24. Unfortunately, not Andre Miller, Mason Plumley. Yes. When I, when I saw the 24, I was like, oh, Hey, is that a, is that an Andre Jersey? And I actually I remember, like, so Andre Miller is one of my favorite NBA players. And I like clearly remembered when I see this Jersey, I'm like, this should be an Andre Miller Jersey. And it's one of those, when you see the back, you're like, Oh, you're just, you're crestfallen. Well, but let's be honest. If, if that, that, that Slack channel had to be like when somebody asked who wants a $12 Mason Plumlee Jersey, I'm sure hands shot up everywhere. I, I got to say at least, at least there might've been one more other person who, <laughs> who said, yeah, I want to say there was another one. It was either Mason Plumley or somebody else, but I don't know who that would have been at that moment for, for a clearance, but I don't know who it, just, it was, was Plumley traded with anyone. Do you guys know? Yeah, like he, he was he was traded with a first round pick to Denver for Nurkic. Oh, so I'm maybe sorry. it was a first first sorry, round pick jersey. No, no, I'm sorry, it was it, uh, the Blazers got back. They got a first round pick. pick. Oh, that's yeah. right. So that was the Nurkic deal. Of yeah. course, of course, it's all rushing back to me. <laughs> I know, I know. It's 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 very difficult to to remember the time the Blazers lost Mason Plumlee. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of those one of those Nuggets making their Northwest Division rivals stronger trades. Yes. That, that they know, ex- right, became right experts at. With Donovan yeah. Mitchell. You know, right. One of those. <laughs> right. Ones. Right. I, the Tyler Lydon trade, as we call it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I well, while you're there, hold on, real quick. We, we did bring up Andre Miller, so we do have to at least pay homage to 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 the goat. It. Uh, number one, I'm with you. One of my favorite players of all time. And I will give a, a quick little d- anecdote. I ran into him at hoop summit last year. Obviously didn't have one this year, uh, on the Nike campus. And I will say in my adult life, it's the first time 
other than Brandon Roy that I was actually nervous going to talk to him. Like he's, I have him that very, 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 very high on my list. I was like, okay, if he comes any closer, I have to go talk to him. There was, there was, he had to break the, 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 the square footage, uh, or area around me for me to actually go talk to him. I was like, I don't know. I don't know any other guy. I can, I can do it. But he was, for some reason he's, he's very high on the, uh, on the pantheon of my guys. So what did you say? I, I would have been so tongue-tied. I wouldn't have known what to say to him. I'd just be like, I loved your 52-point game. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I, I just introduced myself, told him I loved his game from the time he was in Portland and before, and it was really nice to meet him. Just wanted to come say hi, and uh, I just love watching you play my your entire career. Yeah, that's basically all it is. He's oh, oh, okay, cool. Thank you, man. You. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're just like checking off the boxes of all the things I love to talk about. Point break, Andre Miller. Mm-hmm snacks let's just see where this goes i'm very he, excited he may be the most laid-back guy in nba history huh. like he he's just he, he is a flat line the entire time and it's it's just, just a cool cat i love the dude well we'll have to do a little more research before i'm ready to agree with that but i can definitely i would definitely agree that he's one of the most i'm not sure if he's the most i'd have to not that i'm saying i just would want to do a little bit more research What's I mean, like Clay, research, Dan? What about Clay Thompson? Like Clay Thompson versus Andre Miller? Who's who's more laid back? I'd go Andre just because Clay's right. Clay's more weird laid back. You know what I mean? <laughs> and not in a yeah. bad way. He's everything. He's, he's goofy Clay. Everything Clay does is fun and eccentric and weird. Andre doesn't really just do anything. He just exists. I'm just remembering Clay Thompson getting under Zach Collins skin and uh, Zach Collins reaction to that would not have gone over well with Andre Miller. I think we would have seen it not very chill Andre Miller. (laughs) Right on. Well, let's move on now on the fast break bread breakfast podcast. One of your early segments is the breakfast in bed apologies, but we're going to take it on a snack theme. So we're going to do the, I can't believe I hate, ate the whole thing regrets. And the theme of that today is I'm wondering if with the season kind of, you know, breaking off in the middle as it was, do you have, what's your, what's your biggest regret about this season? Or do you have any regrets about the things that you wish that you had said or done with regards to this season? That is, I like, I like that. I can't believe I ate the whole thing regrets that fits nicely with my jelly bean and candy consumption. Uh, I mean, my regrets, I guess, I think every fan base, except for maybe the teams that like that were at the bottom of the standings who were just waiting for the lottery have regrets of not being able to watch their team play more as a Grizzlies fan. Things were, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're at the start. It looks like of maybe a great era of Grizzlies basketball. Like I have regrets. I don't get to see John Morant play anymore. I have regrets that, uh, justice Winslow was, I think supposed to make his debut, uh, in Portland on the Thursday where the the entire season got, I think it was that day. Anyway, it was, it was very soon. So I have regrets that this Grizzlies team was going to get their players back. I I, I'm not, I don't want to steal um, what might be Dan's or yours, but like, I know Nurkic was coming back for the Blazers. So we have some of these teams where we were waiting to get our players back. And I feel particularly as a Grizzlies fan, um, I, I regret not getting to watch this team continue to, to grow and a season where there were no expectations, where it all felt like icing on the cake. You don't get a lot of those in the NBA where the Grizzlies were supposed to be so bad. So everything the Grizzlies did this year, if they were going to hang on for the playoff spot, it was all just, you know, it's like we were free rolling. We were playing with house money. And so losing that is a regret as far as personal regrets. I don't know. Maybe I should have taken a few more digs at Devin Booker while I had the chance. Cause I do enjoy that. <laughs> Although honestly, I, I, I like, I was tearing him apart, like on fast break breakfast a couple days ago. So no, I don't, I think I, I think I carpe diem'd all my takes enough during the season, but I do regret not getting to watch uh, the Grizzlies play. You know, I'm going to, I'm actually going to follow you up with that and say, I regret not getting to watch the Grizzlies play. Uh, <laughs> legit, legitimately, legitimately, Tara and I, we, we talked to coming into the season about, teams that I was dead set on watching this, this past year. And Jaws, one of those guys in like Donovan Mitchell was a couple years ago where I like, I'm going to watch this guy, his entire career. He's exactly the kind of player I love to watch. Jaron Jackson jr. Is another guy that I absolutely love to watch. And I was like, you know, this is going to be a fun team that they are going to be my non blazers team. I, I watched. 
Um, and yes, the, the regret part of it is going to be not getting to see how John Morant, who I compare mentally to Damian Lillard, how he competes down the stretch fighting for that eighth seed against this Blazers team. And with that, the return of Yusuf Nurkic and maybe the return of Zach Collins and seeing if Portland could, even through the absolute blank show that they put on this year, could still through pure, sheer will and absolute commitment from Damian Lillard would find themselves in the playoffs yet again, just somehow, some way. And just because they've done it like seemingly every way, he's never missed the playoffs in his career and they've stumbled into it. They've soared into it. They've now they're a decent team. They had never fallen face first into the playoffs because of, you know, everything that happened around them with expectations. And, I'm kind of the opposite as far as the getting the takes off at the end of the season, because by the end of this season, I was out of them because you just <laughs> had no way, any way, sheet, matter, or form to understand what the hell this team was, who they were going to be on a given night. There were times we're sitting there doing the show after the post game and you just don't know what it is that happened, what's going to happen. Like expectations. I've never covered a team or been involved in any way, shape, matter, or form with any team in any sport where I knew what to expect less than I did with this team to this season on a nightly basis. And I think as, as frustrating as that is, I think I regret not, not knowing that like night in night out, what the hell was going to happen. Yeah. But Dan, you said from the beginning that you always said that going to be interesting. It was going to be interesting. (laughs) We didn't know, but no matter what, this season was going to be interesting. There was just so many variables. So I I miss it. As somebody with no, someone who's like, I'm not a Trailblazers fan. And with somebody with no skin in the game, I almost would think as a Trailblazers fan base, this season shutdown, like it isn't necessarily that painful. Yes. You were robbed of the chance to maybe make a run and catch the Grizzlies and hold off the Pelicans and whoever else. But also this, this season has been cursed. You, know, you lost Zach Collins. You knew Nurkic was going to be out for most of the season anyway. And the team wasn't playing well or winning. So you're just like, Hey, let's, let's get a lottery shot. Well, who cares? Like this, we weren't going to do anything in the playoffs. We weren't winning a series. Let's just get healthy. We can regroup for whatever the next version of the NBA looks like. And so it isn't that awful necessarily to to lose out. The biggest thing. And I think everybody in Portland will probably agree was not getting to see Nurk come back. Yeah. Like that was he, two weeks before the season ended, he went out onto the floor, onto the practice, on, on, onto the floor at the, at the Moda Center uh, to warm up, you know, what, three hours before the game. We were all sitting there getting ready to talk to Coach Dots in the tunnel, and out comes Nurk in gear. And you could feel the, the goosebumps. Like, he walked by, and he kind of did his, his big, goofy stride and hop down the hallway. And you could feel the energy in the arena from the other players, from the other media folks. You, you could just feel you know, it was building towards something. Cause he's like, I, I, I call him, he, he's the Blazers talisman. Like he, mm. he's, he's their energy. Like Dame is their guy. But if you ever want to measure the pulse of this team, you look at Yusuf Nurkic, he's their swagger. He's all of that. And the, the, you could feel it building to something and to just have it just stop and not know if it's gonna be anytime soon. I think that's the biggest regret. We also had the buildup of you know, Hassan Whiteside's quest for statistical achievements and <laughs> use of Nurkic's return and the quest for the playoffs. And they were like these two ah. trains barreling at each other. And right when they were about to collide, it just uh-huh. fade to black. Yeah. It's like, oh, to be continued. It's, it's a Sopranos. That's defensive player of the year to you, yeah. sir. That's it's right. I mean, Sopranos, man, it's, it's you know, know, like, what? Wait, what happened? Yeah. You know, Terry Stotts, he has to be somewhat relieved. Like, man, things are going to get weird. <laughs> And I'm, I don't have to do that now. I don't have to make any decisions about who closes games, who opens games, who finishes games, how Whiteside is going to respond to losing minutes and losing precious blocks. And honestly, as an NBA fan, we were robbed of that. We were robbed of that drama. You're it's incredibly, incredibly true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree, Dan, that with 
with what you said about Yusuf Nurkic, and I hadn't thought about it the way that you put it, Keith, but yeah, that was something we're really, really missing out. But I have my biggest regret is like kind of goes in a, in a different direction. Um, and I regret that I did not, that I was not a fan of Carmelo Anthony before he came to Portland. Mm-hmm. I did not understand him. I didn't know him. And I just wish I could have because I was just so delighted with his whole time that he's been in Portland. And I just wish I could go back and go, I always knew Carmelo Anthony. I always loved Carmelo Anthony. I can't go back and say that. And I wish I could. Keith, I'm really curious what you thought from the outside of uh, watching Carmelo in Portland. I think I was struck with the confusion on why he hadn't been in the NBA. It's like, he, he wasn't embarrassing himself or anything. It, it, he, he had uh, like the, the pep in his step on defense from what I saw. I mean, again, I, I watch more blazers games than I do like East coast games. Cause they're on later usually. And it did seem like he, he was sprier than I would have imagined. And he was getting deflections and blocks and like little stuff. I didn't expect. He still seemed sort of like that black hole on offense, but with the absence of anyone else to play for the Blazers, it didn't seem like it was harming him. Like he was doing what he needed to do for the team. And so I, I was more quizzical. Like it seems kind of strange. This guy didn't play in the NBA in the last year and a half. I mean, I, I'm with Tara. Uh, I wasn't thrilled at his signing, uh, but it was all for basketball reasons. I, everybody, nobody's ever said Carmelo. The dude is a bad guy, right? Anybody, anybody who has, I don't trust. Like, because Carmelo, the dude, has always been, no matter where he's been, a good guy, well-respected, well-liked. Everyone in the league loves him, all that stuff. But I, I would definitely wouldn't call it a, re- a regret. I think it's been more of a, for me at least, at least like a, a learning experience of sometimes fit does matter. And I try, I try to tamper down the whole Portland culture thing as far as like with like how they bring in people and all that, because it, it, it matters and it doesn't, but the fact that he, they were able to get productivity out of Hassan Whiteside productivity out of Carmelo Anthony, like that has to matter. And we were talking about before the podcast, they got productivity. Like JJ Hickson had his best season as a pro in Portland. Like when you're talking about culture and getting the most out of guys, I think that the Carmelo one was the one that like kind of cemented for me that, like that's that's Portland culture. Like it just somehow, some way, through the empowerment of Damian Lillard and Terry Stotts, they just they get stuff done. Yeah, I I agree with both of what you guys have said. And for me, the angle is more that you know, as a Portland fan, uh, I haven't watched as much of the rest of the NBA, and so kind of my learning and takeaway from it is to try to appreciate even more. I mean, I I enjoy guys on other teams, but I don't really um, appreciate them maybe as much as I should because they're not on the team that I root for. And I just, you know, I wish I I could have been watching Carmela going, oh man, I used to watch him do that to us all the time. And now, you know, we've got him on our, our side. And he is, he had just been sort of for me, like one of a whole bunch of celebrities in the league. And uh, so I guess from this, I'm going to just try to learn to watch more of the other guys playing for other teams so that I can think about how they're good. They're going to look when they do come to Portland. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing, Tara. You don't have to watch the Knicks. Like you, you don't, you don't have to worry about anything coming from the Knicks and going somewhere and being good. That's just kind of the nature of the beast. Julius okay, Randall so would look great on the the Blazers just from a league pass perspective. I mean, maybe, maybe in the post Carmelo era. There you and, go. And they have that, they have that center that I like. Mitchell, oh, Robinson? Mitchell Robinson. Yes. He's fun. Yeah. Huh. And he does yeah, come so. out here to, to Nike from time to time. And he's repped by a, a local guy here. So. He, and he might, I don't, he might have a little Hassan Whiteside in him too. I think he does. He does love I think the block is we more important than the defense. I, I would say less Hassan and more Dwight Howard. Okay. He, he, he definitely, he definitely likes to chase him, but I think that it's more chasing within the scheme a little bit more. Well, at least Dwight Howard was a Davis, a player of the year and, and good. So that's, that's a better thing to chase. Both, both of those things matter. Yes. In context. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Moving on. Um, so the way that the season left off, 
the Grizzlies held the eighth spot and Portland was right behind them. I'm curious what you guys think. Both the Blazers were where was it going to go next behind them? They were, I mean, right behind them implies maybe a little closer, but the Blazers were, yes, they were next in line. Yeah, They weren't close. I mean, there, there was, there was some distance, but two and a half or three and a half. Three and a half, I believe. Yeah, it's been months and months. It's, it's been six <laughs> weeks, so yeah. It's uh, to, but the conversation was: was it, it going to be possible? It was three yeah. and a half game lead. Yes. Were the Blazers going to oh, catch sorry. them? I, no, of course not. What's what's the counter argument? I was worried. Here's the thing: I was worried about the Pelicans. The Pelicans had demonstrated when they had their full strength starting lineup, when they were playing Drew holiday with Zion Williamson, Lonzo ball, Brandon Ingram, uh, Derek favors, that they were good. They, I do tell my Pelicans fans like, Hey, you, your team never came back from a deficit, which is a sign of a team that isn't that good. And technically your record wasn't that good. Even when you guys were all playing together, but I was scared of that team. The blazers. I'm scared of Damian Lillard. Cause you know, he's awesome. But the rest of the team and the way that the the season had been going so kind of poorly for the Blazers, I, I wasn't necessarily that scared of what the Trailblazers could do, and also because we were running out of season to make up those three and a half games, and the Grizzlies had already won one of the games in the matchups against the Blazers. Like if the Blazers won the next two to to take that season series, then it would be like a race. Yep. But I think the Grizzlies were playing well enough that I don't think. I mean, if we remind ourselves what the race was like, the Grizzlies were 32 and 33. And I'd been telling myself, just get to 41 wins, just get to 42 wins. And I don't think the Blazers were going to get to 41 or 42 wins. So I think just the Grizzlies being themselves and even finishing basically 500, we're going to get to a, a level the Blazers could not get. So I wasn't necessarily scared about the Blazers. Um, you, please feel free to tell me why I'm wrong on the Blazers podcast, why the, why the Blazers could overtake them. <laughs> I don't necessarily think you're wrong. I had it pegged as uh, New Orleans as the most yeah. likely to to overtake them. Uh, then they fumbled the ball a little bit. They, they did. They had that stretch of like six games where they just where they went one and five. They mm-hmm. they just absolutely fell apart and then they blew it against. They they dropped games what the Timberwolves and somebody else like back to back nights. That, that Timberwolves had. game, I was like running around my basement where I watched the games because that was like that was a huge game because we're marking massive. off every one where you're like they have such an easy schedule mm-hmm. and when they lost that one, it's like that like that literally could be it. You know, I was like, we don't have to get to 43 wins anymore. We can probably it, 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 it lit. It knocked yeah. one off. The only thing that I will say is that for for in the Blazers' favor, and you're talking about threading a really tight needle was that the Blazers did pad the Grizzlies twice yes. remaining. And with that, I believe they were both in Portland. I know obviously one of them a, was, I think they curious. both were though. And number one, like you said, Damian Lillard, but number two, I think even though Nurk's only playing 15 minutes, what he does for that team as an emotional response, if you want any indicator, go back to game five of, of the first round of the Western conference playoffs last year. Hmm. When Yusuf Nurkic walked into that building and his teammates saw him on the sideline for the first time since he broke his leg, that place went insane. They played at a level you just don't see teams play at in the playoffs. I mean, Dame Dame was already nuts, and now he's just full nuclear. And I think that they would get probably, I think they had 17 games remaining, I believe is what they had left. It would not have been crazy for me to think that they could go 12 and five down the stretch, even though they had played well below that the entire season, just because of the stupid things that I've seen this team do in Damian Lillard's tenure. Like every time you're like, nah, there's no chance. Nah, there's no chance. So there they go. So that's the, that's the point, Dan. So if the Blazers went 12 and five, they, they, they would have been, uh, they would have won 41 games. Yep. So that, so that still means the Grizzlies only had to go, uh, nine and nine and eight you know, to make up that. And, and like you said, those two games, you're right. They were both in Portland, but uh, the Blazers had to win both those games. 
Cause, cause if they oh, lose, 100%. if they lose one, then it's essentially like that's you're, you're completely out. season series, everything else. Yeah, I do. I do want to argue for the Grizzlies. This is something that I think as is a small market. And when Grizzlies fans get mad watching national coverage of the NBA and how everyone had assumed the Pelicans would overtake them and are saying like, we think there's a good chance they catch them. The thing that was never mentioned that I have to say as a Grizzlies fan and as the host of a uh, grits and grinds, a, a Memphis Grizzlies podcast is no one ever said that when Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant play, the Grizzlies are good. Like yes. period, just flat out. The Grizzlies this season, when Jaron and Ja play, were twenty-seven and twenty-one, and that includes a five and eleven start. So since the start of December, when Jaron and Ja play, they were twenty-two and ten. Like the Grizzlies have basically been around the 10th to maybe 12th best team in the NBA for the last three and a half months of the season. And no one ever talks about that. They just say like, Oh, the Pelicans got Zion back and they're not ever acknowledging, but the Grizzlies have been, you know, the 10th best team in net rating for the last three months since D'Anthony Melton joined their lineup and they've had jaw and Jaron playing. So I feel like that's the weird part where all of these times they talk about the playoff race. It's it's Damian Lillard is an MVP candidate who makes the playoffs and Zion Williamson and the Pelicans were coming on strong and they're ignoring. Yeah. But the Grizzlies had a three and a half game lead and there's no signs that they were going to start losing games. And Jaron was coming back. They're going to get justice Winslow. Like they, they were saved somewhat with the shutdown uh, maybe saved uh, by the bell. The Grizzlies were if Jaron's injury was going to linger, if it was going to be like another week or two, yeah. then things would have gotten tight. But if like Jaron was going to supposedly return within a few days of the, of when it actually shut down. And if he came back, I don't think there's a, you know, it, it was going to be unlikely that anybody else was going to catch the Grizzlies just because they'd been playing well for three solid months. And that seemed to be ignored by your ESPNs and your other, you know, big national coverages. No, I, I'm with you there. I, I, I pray at the altar of John Jaron. Like those, <laughs> those, are, those are, those are two guys. I think they're going to be foundational building blocks and yep. going to have a ton of success. <laughs> Excuse me. And honestly, when Jaron and Clark both went down, I was, I was sitting there like, Oh, that's it. They're done. Right. And then yeah. Josh Jackson steps in and <laughs> he did plays his ass off. Yeah. And I was like, well, maybe they're, they still got a few things here, you know? And I, I was, again, I had Portland on the outside looking in that that's mm-hmm. where I had them. Now, is there a world where I could see Portland getting in? Yes. Because I've learned to do not count Damian Lillard out ever, 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 ever. Yeah. But when I looked at it, I was like, you know, maybe jaw really is that guy. Then that's where I started to have that. And you and I talk about this, Tara, that whole idea that maybe jaw is the, this generation's Damian Lillard, as far as just being so mentally tough against small college guy ability to run an offense from day one, incredibly dynamic and explosive. Just, I mean, we saw him uh, on social media and, and how he interacted with the whole Iguodala thing. I know everybody has their take on it, but it reminded me a lot of Damian Lillard of like, okay, if you're not riding with us, this, this is our, this is my team. This is how we're going to go. And that's uh, there's an awful lot of guys who think they they have it, and then there's three guys in the league who actually have that mentality who carry it over. And I, I was I was again to kind of go back to the regret. I regret not being able to see that kind of transpired, have how that whole thing played out because it was going to be one hell of a race one way or the other. Yeah. I would agree with you guys that the Grizzlies were certainly in the driver's seat when it came to this. But again, just like you said, you know, Damian Lillard, you can never count him out. But there's two other things that also gave me just a little bit of more hope for the Blazers in possibly being able to claim that spot. One is a lot of people talked about the strength of schedule of the two teams uh, and the Blazers having a easier schedule with the Grizzlies having a tougher schedule. And then you know, I did go going down back down to experience. Like I love the young players. I love it when young teams come together and gel and they play really, really, really well. But I just don't know when it comes down to it, if they were fighting tooth and nail neck and neck at the very end, 
I feel like the experienced team is the one who I'm going to give the nod to. If they had gotten to the place where they were super close, I think I would have given, you know, I would have put my money behind the more experienced team. And the Blazers certainly do have a lot more experience than the Grizzlies do at this time. So those are the two things. Um, or three, including Damian Lillard. But fortunately, I have devised a way that we can settle this once and for all. Uh, part of the fast break breakfast is that you have the game of scones. And I've devised the pop secret pop quiz and decided that I would give you guys this quiz. And whoever wins their team, you know, gets the eighth spot, you know, gets to claim and march away with the with oh. the eighth spot. You know, Keith, I, I understand that. With How the much of a season lead am I being spotted? Ending, <laughs> ending right now, <laughs> I understand that you're in the lead. But just, you know, for my own purposes, maybe not for league purposes. Like okay. I, if, I, if I send the results to the league office, I'm not sure that they're going to honor them. But it'll settle it in my heart. How's okay. that? It's fair. <laughs> okay. So here's how it's going to go. Here's, here's the quiz. Dan, you're shaking your head. Uh, okay. So Portland has been around since 1970. The Grizzlies have been around. They started in Vancouver in 1995. And in the, since the Grizzlies became a franchise, there have been 22 players who have played for both squads. So oh, wow. Oh, we are going to talk through and see how many you guys can name. 22 players who play for both squads. We're not going to try to name all 22. I just want to know. So I think this is how we do it. We go one at a time. I'll give you guys one at a time to try and think up players who played for both squads until you can't do it anymore. Wow. It's <laughs> Oh, are we just, are we just going? Well, right, I, yeah. let's let, let's go one at a time. Okay, let's okay. let Keith go first because the Grizzlies are in the lead currently. The lead. So we'll let okay. him go first. And Man. I, <laughs> this is really hard. I'm trying yeah. to, uh, I uh, did, did Bob, did Bobby Jackson play for the trailblazers? No. Oh man. All right. I'm going to take the easy one. Zach Randolph. That, you know, okay. c- come to think of it. That's the easy one there. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, so that's the like easy this. one. So let's put, <laughs> should we do it like horse? So we don't have to no, like do good. it on uh, forever. That's good. That's good. So Keith uh, has one miss. I have one miss. I've, and I've, Dan I've has missed. one make. Oh God. Although if we did this right, Dan would start with three and a half letters, but <laughs> it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'll tell you one that I I know for a fact is uh is Darius Miles. Damn it. Yep. Yes. Because uh, the Grizzlies. That was my, that was my other one. Because the fun one is is the Grizzlies signed Darius Miles when the Trailblazers were trying to get his contract paid off by insurance for his yeah. having a career-ending injury, and for an inexplicable reason, the Grizzlies like signed him to a ten-day contract. Perhaps just to screw the Grizzlies, I mean the, the Blazers, and to stick them with a uh, the bill of paying his contract. But anyway. Oh no, that's nice. Good one. Yeah. Oh God, I know I'm forgetting some guards that I, sh- I should know off the top of my head. I'm trying to think of anybody else who was obscure who got traded there. Unbelievably, Steve Blake did not play for the Grizzlies. <laughs> <sighs> Andre Nor didn't. Did Joel Presvilla. Yeah, I know. Cayman didn't. I'm just trying to think of. Uh, I know it's a lot. It's, of, it's, it's a lot of white guys. I am. Uh, I am looking at the list. I think. I think you'll. I, I, I've, you'll I've got one at least. on a few of them. Yeah, I, I've got a. I've got one that finally occurred to me. I've got nothing. Darius okay. and Zach were the two that I had. Uh, so can I? Can I answer one? Yep. Yep. Uh, one of my favorite players, Bonzi Wells. Mm-hmm. Oh God! How did I not have that? He left and went there right after. Yeah. God. So God. Keith has two. I can start giving little hints if you guys want, because I knew this. I was. I knew that there was no way I would get any of these, but once I started going to the list, I was so fascinated that I was like, "Oh, we got to talk about this anyway." Because uh, it's so fun. Yeah. Did Bano Utra ever have a, a, no, Bano wasn't a blazer. He was never made a blazer. He was actually the uh, president of the blazer killer fan club. He had more games as a King. Uh, where he torched right, the blazers. Yeah, yeah. Oh any yeah. Random dude I can and ever he, remember. And he also, uh, he also ended the LaMarcus Aldridge era 
where Mike Conley was injured in the playoff series and Bano Udru mm-hmm. just lit up the Trailblazers. That's right. Yeah. He had like God. a he had like a twenty point eight rebound seven assist game or something. Yeah, <laughs> she went absolutely bonkers in game four or five. God, oh my! Let's get some hands, Tara, because I normally I'm good at this. Did, did Tara did did West Person ever play for the Blazers? Yes. Yes. Wesley West Person. Person yes. West was here for what two seasons? He was in Portland. I think he was in Portland for one and Memphis for two or the other way around because though I got the lists off of Wikipedia and there was some inact like I think that he was actually with Memphis from 2002 to 2003 and then Portland from three to four. They had it listed differently. Yeah. Okay. Been, I think he, I think he was part of the Bonzi Wells trade. Actually kind of think of it. That's not even think fair. Of, think of brothers in the NBA and it's Dan's turn to guess. Okay. Oh, pal. Oh yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Pal Gasol play. Did he ever log? He in never there? actually, he, he never not, played a game, but, but he wasn't active. He was member so of the team. in the media um, that I'm going to give you credit for that one. You know, I actually, right. I actually thought I'm making of Gasol, the ruling here, but I was like, I, the, oh, the whole idea of Powell being a grizzly still, I was thinking of Mark and I'm like, well, I've always wanted Mark here. <laughs> well, if that's, if that's the case, uh, Hassan Whiteside, right? Did Hassan Whiteside play a minute on the Grizzlies? He might've got, Hassan Whiteside was in training camp with the Grizzlies. I don't think he ever he made the active show roster. up on the list. I'm actually curious now. Okay, we're gonna I'm gonna put that one aside because right now you guys are Keith has one is is in the lead with one because West person puts him over the top and Dan has two with Zach and Pow. There is another uh br- there is another guy who's the brother of another oh, player. Lopez. No, he didn't play. Oh, no, he played. For uh, Luke, Luke Rittenauer was on the Grizzlies. I mean, he nope. was on the roster. What, 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 what more do we need? Luke Rittenauer played for the, uh, he was part of the Matt Barnes trade when Luke Rittenauer <laughs> got traded three times in like five days. A couple and of he's ago. from Oregon, but he didn't play for the Blazers. Oh, he never did. Okay. That's my mistake. I assume oh, yeah. whom oh, I'm, I'm maybe thinking of a Dan Dickow. I don't know. They're all the same to me. Yeah. No, Dickow did play here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, the blood, the bro, the uh, the brother that I'm thinking of, I'll give you this one away, uh, is Seth Curry. Oh, Seth Curry Seth, again. He Seth, Seth Curry played one or two games on the one, Grizzlies. Yeah, he was there. That's a he tough was, one. He did play on the Grizzlies. Um, do you want any more hints, or should I just tell you some of the ones no, that you're you just going to go? Give us a couple more hints. Okay, sure. uh, this this guy is um, oh, from. Portland. He didn't play in, uh, did he play in No, They moved to, when did they move to Memphis? 2001? Yeah. 2001. I think. Okay. So yeah, no, he did. This guy's one of Portland's own. One of Portland's own, but he was a big deal on the Grizzlies. Oh, Oh, Damon Stoudemire. Uh, yes. Oh, he's wrapped. Nope. So yeah. I was thinking that's funny. So I was yeah. thinking Damon Stoudemire and then I talked myself out Toronto. of it. I, I, I knew, I I knew he was like, and he was an assistant coach on the Grizzlies too. Yeah. Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. So did, uh, yeah. did Brevin Knight ever play on the trailblazers? No, I no. can now Brevin imagine every backup guard. I can just imagine them in the trailblazers. <laughs> that's, that's what I was talking about. That's like I know there's a ton of guards on this list and I can just, <laughs> I can't, Think of who they have. So there's a big man who was in Portland pretty recently. Um, and he became somewhat of a folk hero while he was in Portland recently. But before he was in Portland, he was in Memphis. Uh, how about Jarnell Stokes? Nope. Oh, man. Did Stokes play on the Summer League team for the Blazers? Yep. That's it. I got a uh, summer. So you've got so, see, you're you you're being you you're being hurt by having too much knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's he's got those guys down. Oh. Um, was was Ed a grizzly? Oh, of course, Ed Davis. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, Davis. Well, I think, I think our experiment, just like the NBA season is undetermined. Yeah. It's, uh, it's close. <laughs> Who else are we missing? Okay. I had so much fun looking this up. I really wasn't sure like if it was fair to ask this, but I had so much fun looking it up. Okay. Antonio Harvey. Uh, oh, Tone. I don't know. I don't know who that is. So that doesn't count. That was in, I was in there first. That was when they were in Vancouver, yeah. Antonio okay. Daniels, Bonzi Wells, Brian Skinner, uh, okay. Chris Johnson, oh. Damon Stoudemire, Dante Cunningham. Dante, okay. God dang it, he went I don't remember out. him on the Blazers at all. Yeah. <laughs> Darius no, Miles, yeah. Earl Watson. Oh, Earl Watson, of course. Cool. Okay. Those were like really far apart. Like he was yeah. in, in Memphis in 2002 to 2005, and then he was in Portland 13 14. So they were along with what? Yeah, uh, Eddie Gill. It's a pile of backup darts. The, the number of <laughs> yeah. these, the number of these ten day guys, it's almost yeah. Uh-huh. That's rough. The Eddie Gills, the Chris Johnsons, Seth Curry, Elliot Williams. Wait, Elliot? Oh, is Elliot where he? Is that where he went after he his first contract in Portland? He was in. He was there after. He was in Portland from uh for eleven twelve, and then he was uh in Memphis fifteen sixteen. And I don't he's know maybe a, if he, he's a part owner of the Grizzlies. He owns he really. Was pretty sure he went yeah. to Memphis, right? That wouldn't surprise me. That would make sense. Greg Anthony. Oh, okay. GA. Yeah. Seemed to beat. Greg Anthony was a big one on the the Vancouver. Oh, God, Grizzlies. I forgot to beat was a Blazer. Me too. <laughs> Jared Bayless, Otis Thorpe, of course, of, yeah, that's another uh, big one. Sharif Abdul Rahim. Oh, that's a big oh, one. Oh, that's right. that's yeah. We should have gotten that. That one's a little okay. That, that, that one's bad not to get. Yeah. And uh, the last one, uh, Wade Baldwin. How <laughs> did he play? Did he play for the Grizzlies? Was he? Did he actually yeah. play for the Grizzlies? Yeah, he no, it's a, yeah, he played, he, got, he played a year. That's how he became vi- like viable as an NBA player was he had some issues as far as taking care of things and they cut they him gave, for Mario Chalmers. Yep. They gave they, they saw their, their talent there, but they needed to get some things right. Uh, Cause he fell apart as a shooter. They had to I rebuild f- him. I watched, I watched Wade Baldwin's highlight reel from this season, not, not two weeks ago. And I've already forgotten who he played for. Maybe was it Olympiacos? Yeah, he's overseas for Olympiacos. Yeah, it was. Is it Olympiacos? Okay, I definitely watched the Wade Baldwin 2019-2020 highlight reel. Uh, just not not a week or two ago, you know, a month into isolation, I decided it was time. <laughs> it was you the know, Wade Baldwin highlight reel point yeah, of the yeah, quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yep. we love Wade Baldwin for, Tara? Wade Baldwin. What? One time when we were done, we were filming the show down at uh, the Rialto. We looked over in the corner booth after a game one night and there was one young Wade Baldwin who had left the arena and come down to the Rialto. There you go. Like There's, he was, he left the arena. Like he was supposed to be in there watching. No, no, like, oh. no, like the game was like over. Oh, but, okay. was, but the thing about it is like, we're on what? 40 minutes after the game's done. And Wade was already next to us in, at the Rialto, which, so, you know, Keith, it's, it's you uh, really wanted to be on the show. It was, it's a, it's a bar in downtown Portland that, uh, we we film the show from sometimes. Gotcha. And, uh, it's just literally just across the river from. He's just a big. He's a big fan. He's just a big fan. Yeah, that's what we thought. I mean, yeah. he was just coming there to, down to hang out with us. But we all kind of like looked at each other. Was like, is that is that Wade Baldwin over there? <laughs> like, yeah, no, that's 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 definitely Wade Baldwin. Well, thanks for playing along, you guys. I obviously am not as experienced as Keith is in coming up with uh, good quizzes, but well, once was I was quiz. into it, was it was quiz. the information itself was just gold. So <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do 